Well, we've been going through this series on this amazing book of 1 John, uh, and, and we're, we're in solidly into chapter 3. We're going to finish out chapter 3 this, this week, and then we'll have chapters 4 and 5, and, and we'll finish up before the summer ends, believe it or not. But this has been, you know, if there's been anything that's been resounding, it's this idea of, of loving God's people. You know, John was passionate to see the church loving the church. And so we're going to see a bit more of that today. But before we get into that, I, I, I want to think about something with you. Do you remember when you were in, in grade school, maybe probably elementary or even pr- uh, preschool, and you had opportunities to, to do show and tell? You know, I see some kids in the room, and, and, and maybe you've recently had an opportunity to do show and tell. And, and if you don't know what that is, um, I'm sorry for your childhood, but uh, you, you, you would go to school, or you go to your preschool or your, your daycare, and, and the, the teacher would give you an opportunity to say, you know, they'd say, bring something that's important to you tomorrow, and I'm going to give you a chance to talk about it. And so kids would bring in their teddy bears, they would bring in their, their G.I. Joes or, you know, their dolls or, or, or whatever else it might be, and, and then have an op- opportunity to, to share something, to show something that was close to their heart. To be able to show people, this is important to me. They wouldn't just talk about it, but they'd be able to say, here it is, take a look at it. Uh, sometimes even you can you know, hold my teddy bear, you can touch it and, and see how soft it is and how cute its face is and how hard its button nose is. And, and they would give us an opportunity to share something about something that was important to us. Now, today we're going to see in our text that Christianity is a show-and-tell faith. It's a show-and-tell faith. It was never intended to be something that we just talked about or something that was, was private. You know, we live in a culture that when it comes to Christianity, we're, we're not really supposed to talk about it, and, and many Christians fail to, to show about it. And I think that one of the ways we can think about the book of John is he's con- consistently been talking about the fact that, guys, the church is a show-and-tell church. Love is a show-and-tell love. Your care for your brothers and sisters in Christ has to be a show-and-tell love, or it isn't anything at all. So we're going to read out of 1 John chapters, chapter 3, just one chapter, uh, verses 16 through 24. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. Now, we're going to read this together. Uh, we have a tradition here where we stand, so I'd invite you now to stand. If you're online, I'd ask you to stand as we read the Word of God together. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. 
Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that that you would impress upon my heart and our hearts that love, it's something that you call us to do, that it's sacrificial in nature, that it's active, that it will cost us something. And I pray that we would embrace the, the call to love sacrificially, knowing that our, our sacrifice to you, our sacrifice to our brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it, it shows that you're at work in our own lives. And God, I pray that you would orient our lives, our prayers, our thoughts toward this sacrificial love, knowing that you give abundantly and you love graciously. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. (laughs) So in this text, we can see that that John calls us to sacrificial love. And and really, he's going to call us to a lifestyle of sacrificial love based on the fact that Jesus himself, he established and he, he showed us a sacrificial lifestyle and life. And we're going to see three different things. I'm going to break it up into three different sections. We're first going to see that sacrificial love is real Christ-like love. Sacrificial love is real Christ-like love. Secondly, we're going to see that sacrificial love gives us confidence before God. Sacrificial love gives us confidence before God. And then finally, we're going to see that sacrificial love shows our fellowship with God. It, it shows that we are partners with God. So let's look at verse 16. John says this, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. By this we know, love. Now, in the original language, there's this knowing, it's a past tense knowing, or sort of it's a knowing that's been completed as a whole. We know And the reason he says it this way is because there's no question in mind because they have seen what love looks like. And love for John is Jesus. Now, whatever the world says, whatever our friends and family, our community say about love, the Bible tells us that Jesus is both the definition and the measure of love. I'll repeat it. Jesus is the definition of love and measure of love. Do you want to know if you love enough? Do you love as much as Jesus? Do you want to know if you love rightly? Do you love like Jesus? It's it's no more difficult than that. And and it's, it's a helpful reminder, I think, especially because sometimes when we think about our Christian faith, we think of it in terms of, of rules, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And, and it's true that the Bible is full of commands, full of rules. But in so many different places, God boils it down and he says, you know what it is? Love me and love others. Do you want to know how to love me? Do you want to know how to love others? I'm going to tell you, look at Jesus. He tells us that we ought to love because Jesus loves. And he tells us what that love is going to look like. We already know. 
By this we know love. By what, John? That he laid down his life for us. Talking about Jesus. That he laid down his life for us. And this is likely, John, thinking back to the words of Jesus himself in, in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus is speaking. And he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And he goes on to compare the good shepherd with the hired hand. And he's making a comparison and preparing the disciples at this point to say, you're going to see that I'm the good shepherd. You're going to see that I'm the one who truly loves because I'm going to lay down my life for you. In another place, he says, there's no greater love than this than, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And he looks at his disciples and says, you're my friends. You're no longer slaves or servants. You're my friends. Family, we are God's friends, and he has laid down his life for us and shown us what love looks like. You know, our temptation on a Monday or on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday is to, to think about our responsibilities relationally and say, you know what? I've texted that person, I've talked to that person, I've done all that I need to do. And we kind of look for the, the bottom of the bucket when it comes to love. When, when Jesus says, no, 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 I've filled the bucket to the top. Your bucket needs to be full because my bucket is full. He says this, he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That word ought that's a, an archaic word, right? Ought, we ought. We owe it to love our brothers. There, we have a debt to pay to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Who do we owe? Right, there's an implicit we ought. Ought, why should we ought? Why should we? If you're a parent, you've heard that. Why? Why should I? Why do I have to? And the implied question is, who do I owe? Obedience to. And and the implication here is that we owe God to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Family, we're not off the hook just because we feel like we've done enough. We're not off the hook just because um, we feel like that person doesn't deserve our love. And I'm not talking about the person that you like. I'm talking about the person that gets on your nerves. And you, names and faces are blowing up in your brain right now. And... The, the challenge that God has for us, the opportunity that he gives you and me, is to love those people. And, and as I was reflecting on this, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, Eddie, why do you struggle to love these people? I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, why, why do you struggle to love? And, and if we look at this, he says, basically, we know the love by the way that Jesus loves, and so we should love. And, and, and John has this kind of understanding that, that the love of Jesus is enough, the love that Jesus showed us in his life and death and resurrection is enough to show us and, and motivate us to love others. And so if, if we're not loving others, if we're struggling, then may I suggest that it's probably because we have not appreciated and understood the love that God has for us. I mean, let's just think about forgiveness. You know, there's this story that Jesus tells of, of a man who owed, we could say, billions of dollars. He, he was a, in deep debt. You know, maybe he made some bad investments. You know, he, he, he bought Bitcoin and it just plummeted and he owed tons of money. 
And so he goes to his lender and, and he begs and says, please don't send me to jail. Don't, you know, in the U.S., you'd, you'd go bankrupt. And let, let's say that he goes to a, a less than savory lender who's going to do more than, than, um, than just, you know, put you in jail or, or, or bankrupt you, but maybe even harm you. And, and he goes to this person, please have mercy on me. Have mercy. And the guy has mercy on him. And so he's free. He, he, he doesn't owe anything. And then as he's walking down the street, you know, he's, he's walking to the 7-Eleven and he sees the guy, you owe me 10 bucks. And the guy's like, what? I just came for a Slurpee. And, and you owe me 10 bucks. And, and there's this altercation, altercation, this fight that ensues. And, and the guy, he, he, you know, he throws down the smoothie and, or the, the Slurpee and, and he grabs the guy and, and starts, give me my money. And, and one of the lender's workers is watching this and saying, wait, I just saw him come from my boss. What's, what's he doing? He, he's hitting him up for $10? Oh, I'm going to tell my boss. And he goes and he tells his boss, and the guy ends up being thrown into jail and, or into a bad place. Now, Jesus is not, God is a good person, and he's a good God, and he's a righteous judge. So that's where the analogy breaks down. But the point that Jesus was making was that this man did not appreciate, he did not appreciate the depth of his own debt. And, and when you and I struggle, family, I want to encourage you that, that it's not just about white-knuckle obedience of just, ah, I've got to obey. You know, sometimes that's the case because we're, we're sinful and sometimes we just need to press through. But, but the best thing that we can do when we struggle with these things is to look to Jesus Look to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is what? The definition of love and the what? The measure of love. You will never outlove Jesus. You will never outlove Jesus. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and seeds his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You know, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. The point he's making is God's love doesn't abide in him. And there's some ambiguity here. Is he talking about the love that, that flows from God or the love that, that flows from us to God? And the point that John's making is either way, there's no love flowing. If, if you can't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you haven't appreciated God's love for you enough for, there actually, for, for you to be able to say that, that God's love exists within you. This is, this is why it's so dangerous, you know, in our, in our culture, and by that I mean American church culture, to, to, get, to, to misunderstand a moment, you come down to the altar, you ask to be prayed for, you have a moment, or you raise your hand, and I'm all for, for responding. I'm all for you coming down to ask for prayer and responding. But if we equate that with a relationship with God where love is flowing and we're being transformed and obeying, we're missing it. If you are thinking here at church or online that I'm doing my due diligence by, by attending, but there are no relationships happening, you're missing it. Jesus didn't attend relationships. He had deep relationships. 
Some of you are like, I can't have relationships. I've been betrayed. Family, Jesus was betrayed in kind of a big way. And I don't, I don't say that to be harsh. I say that to extend hope. That some of you, you struggle with this because your hurt is big. Your pain is big. And, and I don't mean to diminish that. What I mean to say is that if you will allow God to meet you, you will find that his love is bigger. He goes and he says, hey, family, let us not love with word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This is, this is a show and tell faith. This is a show and tell faith. This is not just a tell faith. This is not a, a private faith that you have yours, I have mine. No, this is a show and tell faith. And he continues. And he says, by this we will know. So we, we were talking about what we did know. Now we're talking about what we, we will know. By this, verse 19, we will know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. What he's saying is, by, by, what, by this love that I'm talking about, by this sacrificial love that, that we live out as a result of the love that God gives us, by that we will know that we are in the truth, that we are living truly in Christ and, and will reassure our hearts before him. That word reassure, you could also, you could also almost call it persuade. You know, are there moments in your life where you look at someone and you're like, eh, I know that person's in need, I should send them a meal. And you have this inner battle, you're like, but I also need a meal. And I don't want to send them a $40 dash, DoorDash card. And, and, and you almost have to persuade your heart. And he says this, by this we'll know love, sorry, by this we'll know that we are of the truth and we'll be able to persuade our hearts before him. When we, when we look to Jesus and his sacrifice, and when we actively obey sacrificially, it does something to us that it begins to persuade our heart that this is the way that we ought to live. We talked about how sacrificial love is real and Christ-like love. Now we're talking about how sacrificial love gives us confidence before God. He says this, if anyone, uh, I'm sorry, um, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him, verse 20. For whenever our hearts condemn us, whenever we think things that are selfish and sinful and, and, and not generous, whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and what, whatever we ask, we receive from him because he keeps his commandments and, and do what pleases him. Now, sometimes when people read this, <laughs> we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask from him, we, we receive. And, and people hear that, and they're like, I'm praying for the Ferrari. Whatever God, God, your word says that whatever I pray for, I receive. And so I receive the money. I receive the house. I receive the blessing. That is not what he's saying. He's saying, family, if your heart doesn't condemn you, in other words, if you are living generously, you're not withholding from your brother, then when you go to God, the things you're going to ask for are, God, would you bless this person? Would you, would you lighten their load? Would you help them? Would you heal them? Would you provide for them, God? And God will hear that and say, I love your love for that person, absolutely. And whatever we ask, he will give us. 
James says, you ask, but you do not receive because you, you want it for yourself. And John is saying here, if you would pray in line with God's will, you would see God do amazing things. You would see him do miraculous things. You know, my wife and I, we pray every night. And it's, it's not this, you know, we're not like praying for an hour or something like that. But, you know, before bed, we, we pray through a list of things. We pray for, you know, issues in our small groups. And we pray for, for friends and family that need to be healed. And I'm so grateful for the, the answer to prayer after answer to prayer after answer to prayer. And I can tell you it is not because <laughs> I'm an awesome guy. You, you can ask many people around me. I am I'm a guy. I'm a guy. Pursuing Christ. But you know what God answers my prayers? Because I'm praying his will. My heart doesn't condemn me when it comes to those prayers. I'm not at God, give me more because I need more. I'm not happy with what you've given me. No, I'm saying, God, please help these people. Give to these people. Do what you would do. Pour your love out on these people. And God hears that and says, you know what? I, I so appreciate that you are aligning your heart with my heart, that you are loving the people that I've called you to love. Yes, I will answer that prayer. Sacrificial love gives us confidence before God because sacrificial love realigns our heart and our will toward God. S some of your prayers in your prayer life, you're not seeing anything because you're not thinking about anyone but yourself. And family, I pray for myself. <laughs> I, I ask God to provide for us. There have been moments where I asked fervently for God to provide JC knows what I'm talking about. He just talked about it. That's not bad. But, but what, what John is continually doing here is he's taking our perspective and just kind of trying to open it up. He's trying to help it. Look at the field, friend. You have pain, you have suffering, so do those around you. Do you have comfort? Then share it with those around you. You might be going through some difficulties that God is not going to allow you to get through until you realize that the point of your struggles and your pain are so that you can comfort others. I'll repeat that. You may be going through difficulties and pain that God will not allow you to get out of until you realize that the comfort that you're receiving is intended to be given to others to comfort them. You and I were intended to love one another in an active and sacrificial way. Sacrificial love is real and Christ-like love. It is, it's what gives us confidence before God. And finally, it's what shows our fellowship with God. Verses 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he's commanded us. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. He, he, he has one commandment. It's to believe in Christ, but then he says, oh, and believe in Christ and love one another, just as he has commanded us. You can't just say, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I don't go to church. There are a lot of people who say that. And, and I, this is not me. This is the apostle John who laid on 
his side beside Jesus as they were eating, who, who hung out with Jesus, kind of a big deal. You know, it's like Jesus, Peter, James, John, Paul, you know, these guys. And he is saying, this is the commandment that we believe in the name Jesus and love one another. Your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ confirm your faith in Christ. Your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ confirm your faith in Christ. And again, we can't just, well, you know, I love them a little bit. What is love really? I mean, I, I texted them. I love you, family, and I'm, I've, I've been guilty of this as well, but, but if the extent of your, um, your willingness to love people is to, to send an obligatory text message, um, you're not loving. You're not loving them. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. But that's, that's not, again, Jesus is the definition and what the measure of love. Jesus is the definition and the measure of love. And you know what Jesus does? He doesn't just text, I love you. No, he bleeds. But here, here Eddie is. Hey, man, I love you. I hope he didn't text me back. I got things to do. He, our, our, our faith in Christ, our our. Our confession, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Well, if he's your Lord, then you need to obey him. And you need to love like he loves. Sacrificial love shows our fellowship with God. Verse 24 says this, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. Do you know, sorry, We, (laughs) we live in a world where like, Anything goes when it comes to spirituality, except for Christianity, yeah. where, where it's like, you know, I commune with dogs. I go to nature and, you know, I, I pray with foo-foo. I'm not, I'm, I'm only being a little bit hyperbolic. Like and, and, and people will hear that and be like, oh, okay, you know, that's valid. Sure, whatever. You know, I, I, don't, I don't believe in organized religion, but I... You know, I like to go out and, and I canoe on the Potomac and, uh, and I connect with uh, the universe, whatever that means. And, and what, I, what I would say is that, that Christianity is a lot more concrete than that. Um, not, not to say that we, you know, there, there are realities that exist outside what we can, we can taste, touch, see, smell, hear. There are realities outside that, and I think that's what people, everyone's trying to tap into. I want to I touch the, the untouchable. I want to experience the, the uh, ephemeral, the, 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 the whatever, the fairies. I, I, I want to experience something supernatural outside of nature, and, and that's good, and that's real. That's, that's, an, that's a, an urge that God has created in us, I think, because we're made to be worshipers. But he says this, you know what? Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. You want to know how to, to be spiritual? Obey. And every, everyone was like, oh. But I, I wanted to like, you know, give me a chant. Can I have a chant, Jesus? Can I have a, like a, a position to sit in? 
You know, can I have a, you know, can I lay on the ground and look at the sky? You know, I, I want to I connect with spiritual. And Jesus is like, okay, well, could you just obey? Could you just love your, I don't really want to love my, my neighbors, Jesus. I don't want to love my people. At, you're, you're misunderstanding me, Jesus. I want I to connect with the greater spirituality. Obey. No, I don't want to obey. I want to connect with the, you're not listening, Jesus. I want to connect with the bigger, sp- obey. Obey. Family, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to be quiet and forgive the person who's offending you right now. You know, sometimes we want, you want to find a spiritual, you know, that 3 a.m., it's the spiritual innator. It slices, it dices, it fixes all your problems. You just press a button and you, you hum to yourself and, and you become spiritual. And Jesus is saying, no, it's much simpler and much harder. Obey. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. It's not the person who seems spiritual. It's the person who seems like they've been with Jesus. Seems like they are obeying. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. I'm not going to go into that because it's, that's kind of a transitional verse that's going to lead us into the next section. But what have I said today? Family, God calls us to sacrificial love. It's not an add-on. It's not like, okay, now that you're a Christian, let me take you into the VIP room of sacrificial love. No, to be a Christian is to love sacrificially because Christ has loved you sacrificially. Jesus is the Definition and the measure of love. Do it again. Jesus is the and the measure of love. For those of you online, definition and measure, I don't know if you heard. Hopefully you heard it from me. Sacrificial love is real and Christ-like. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to figure it out. Jesus has shown us what it looks like. Sacrificial love gives us confidence before God. And it ultimately shows our fellowship with God. Do you want to have assurance that you are a Christian? Do you, do you struggle? You know, God, am I saved? Am I going to heaven, God? Just go and join the Connections team and love people. And you will confirm your faith in Christ. Love your spouse. Love your brother your, your blood brother, love your blood sister. Kids, love your parents. Obey your parents. Love others. Find someone in this room today and, and get to know them. Take a moment, sacrifice a lunch. Sacrifice some money. Or, or connect with your small group, those who are in small groups, and, and find out who needs a meal. We've got a care team that we'll probably talk about at some point that, that reaches out to people in need in our church and, and, and helps them. But love sacrificially because that will confirm your faith in Christ and ultimately that will be the way by which you experience the grace and the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God,
I need, I need your love. And I thank you that you've given me your love. I pray that, I pray that each and every person in this room, myself included, Lord, that you would give us a vision of your love. John put it so succinctly that, that by this we know love that Jesus laid down his life. God, I pray that you would put, put color to that, that you would help us to, to imagine that, to see that, to, to appreciate and experience the, the fact that the God of the universe came down and humbled himself on the cross, dying a horrible criminal's death so that we could know what love is. God, help us to embrace that. Help us to embrace your love to such a degree that we can, we can forgive. Help us to embrace your forgiveness so much so that we can let go of bitterness. Help us to embrace your love so much that we can be courageous and step out of our comfort zones, Lord. Help us to be so uh, embracing of your love that we love radically, that we love sacrificially, that we, the, we widen our perspective, God, we ask to see our brothers and sisters in Christ, not just to see our own issues and our own challenges, but, but to begin even today to pray for others, to see you at work because we are aligning our will to your will. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never had a moment to say, you know what, Jesus, I am a sinner. I have broken your law. I've rebelled against you. And I, I want to turn away from everything I know to be sin and trust in you. If that's you today, I'd like for you to raise your hand. Again, this is not magical. This is not the, the epitome of spirituality. But what this is, is that it's an honest response to what God is doing in your soul. If you're online, you can, you can let one of our hosts know. You can uh, click the button and... and respond that way. Just pray this, God, I, I turn away from everything I know to be sin, everything I know to be disobedience to you, and I want to trust you, Jesus, to be my salvation, to save me from the, the debt and the guilt and the penalty of my sin, and I give my life to you as my Lord. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, family.